0: If you have your New Testament with you, you can open there to the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, to the passage that our brother Todd read from just a few moments ago, is where we will spend most of our time in study of God's Word together this morning. Uh, before uh, we begin the lesson and get into that particular text, just a few things by uh, way of um, dates and calendars, uh, things that you can be looking forward to. Uh, Next Sunday, Brother Gavin and Sister Elaine, I think are coming back on Thursday or Friday of this week after spending some time with her family in Ohio. And so he is going to be uh, preaching at the 9 o'clock and the 1040 sessions uh, both next Sunday. And next Sunday being our fifth Sunday at the 1040 service, we will uh, devote our time to thinking about Jesus Christ, to thinking about the cross, to thinking about the Lord's Supper. I don't know exactly what lesson he has prepared for that, but it will be somewhere uh, along those lines, and so I hope that you can be here and listen uh, to that. Lord willing, the first Sunday of the year, January the 7th, um, Gavin and I are going to be kind of splitting the uh, sermon time in the 1040 service and talking to the congregation about uh, some things pertaining to our work as evangelists here that we have planned uh, for this upcoming year, and so I hope that you can... Uh, be present for that. And then uh, if it is God's will on the second Sunday, I think that's the 14th of January, uh, we're going to be doing another minor prophet and uh, doing it kind of with the same format that we have done in the past. I think that we decided last week on looking at the prophet Habakkuk, a short little prophet but a lot that is said in that little book. Uh, and so uh, Gavin will be speaking about that and reading that that book and kind of giving us an overview of that prophet's message in the 9 o'clock hour, and then I will be uh, thinking about a practical life application in the 1040 hour. So, it's hard to believe that we're at the end of another year, and a new year is upon us. uh, But God has richly blessed us, as has been said many times throughout this year, and I have no doubt that if this year, this, this world continues to stand, and we're still here next year, that God will continue to bless us as well. I I think at least from my perspective we have some great things that are coming hopefully for this congregation some uh, good ways for us in which we can grow closer to him and grow closer to each other. Hebrews chapter 11 is probably the most famous chapter in the book of Hebrews and I think it is one of the more familiar texts in all of the New Testament and that is so because when you read Hebrews chapter 11 it is a A text that I think everybody can relate to, right? Hebrews chapter 11 is just a very practical passage that almost everyone, wherever you are on the spectrum of life, young, middle-aged, or old, whatever your occupation is, whatever your interests are in life, you in some way, if you are a child of God, you can relate, you can see yourself somewhere in Hebrews chapter 11. In this one chapter, of course, we see real-life examples of both men and women who lived by faith, and because they lived by faith, they were able to die in faith. While there certainly are a lot of valuable truths that this one chapter in the Bible teaches us about these people of faith, one of the most important is that living by faith and dying by faith means living and dying with spiritual sight spiritual sight. Given the fact as you read through this chapter that the words seen and seeing, looking and visible appear at least in the New American Standard Version from which I am reading today, those words appear at least eight times in this one chapter we might say that Hebrews chapter 11 is all about having the ability to see the unseen. It is all about having true faith. It is all about having the ability to look to things that we have not seen, whether they are things in the past or things that are yet to come. And So one of those individuals that is mentioned here in this chapter that had a strong spiritual sight was Moses. Today, I want us to consider what the writer of Hebrews wrote about Moses looking to the reward. First of all, I want us to think about this phrase that is repeated so many times throughout this chapter, by faith. As with all the men and women of old that are listed here in this text, the Hebrews writer writes or states to us that it was by faith that Moses himself, the man that we are thinking about today, it was by faith that Moses lived his life. So what does that mean to live our lives by faith? What does that particular phrase mean, by faith? What is faith? Well, the writer I don't know so much gives us a definition of faith as he begins this great chapter about the faithful of old, but he describes for us, gives us a description of what biblical true saving faith is. And notice what he says here. I'm sure many of us can quote this particular verse. But he says at the beginning of this chapter about people of faith, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith, first of all, the writer says, is assurance. It is substance, maybe the word that is used that some of you are reading from that a translation that uses that particular word this morning. But whether you're reading from one that says faith is the assurance or faith is the substance, Those words in my mind are words that suggest confidence, that we can have confidence in God. It also suggests something that is concrete, not something that is abstract. It is talking to us about something that is real, something that has dimension to it, something that has depth and weight to it, something that has substance to it. And so I want you to notice here in the first observation that the writer makes very early on in this chapter that faith is a confidence in things hoped for, that is, things that are in the future, things that are not yet uh, come in our life, things that we have not yet experienced in this earthly journey. Secondly, of course, in that same verse, the writer tells us that faith is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. These words, again, suggest in my mind a sureness. The writer is talking to us again about something that has substance to it, something that is solid, something or someone that is reliable, someone that is trustworthy, that which has proof behind it, evidence behind it. Sometimes those people who are out in the world that may, if you ask them, uh, you know, what do you think about God? They may claim that they are an atheist. They may claim that they're an agnostic that they may claim that they don't know if there's a God or not, or or they're really not too interested in finding out whether there is a God or not. And they, they may ridicule us and mock us and say, kind of in derision, well, you people are just people of faith. You people just have a blind faith. And that's not the kind of faith at all that is being discussed here in Hebrews chapter 11. That's not the kind of faith, a saving true faith at least, that's discussed all throughout Scripture. It's not a blind faith. The writer tells us here, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. That is to say that faith is being sure about things not seen with our physical eye. And this can be things either in the past or in the future. Notice what the writer says to us there at verse 3. It is by faith that we understand that the worlds were prepared by the Word of God. That what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. None of us were around. None of us were alive when God created the heavens and the earth where we, but by faith we believe that He created all that we see. And so faith looks backward, but it also, of course, looks forward. And notice what is said here. The writer says about Noah and his faith by faith Noah, in verse 7, being warned by God about things not yet seen. God came to Noah and told him, I want you to build this ark, this big boat to prepare for the flood that's coming up on the whole face of the earth and noah had not seen a worldwide flood but it was by faith that he did what god instructed him to do and so faith goes both ways faith goes in the past but it also goes in the future and i want you to be impressed again with the fact that as i said a few moments ago at least in my mind, as I look here to Hebrews chapter 11, in this whole discussion about what faith is and showing us what faith looks like in our lives by all these examples of those that have gone before us, I want you to notice that in all this discussion that faith is about spiritual sight. One commentator made this observation in relation to faith being spiritual sight. He said this, seeing is believing in the world of sense, right? Seeing is believing in the world of sense. But in the domain of faith, this maxim is reversed, for in spiritual things, believing is seeing. Think about that just a moment. Believing is seeing. Faith is, he goes on to say, the organ by which we look upon the invisible and the eternal. And if faith is the eye, the Bible is the eyeglass through which faith looks. It is the Word of God, is from the mind of God, is from the mouth of God, and through God's revealed message, we can have faith and we can see, as it were, the unseen. So that's what it did for Moses. Moses' faith caused him to look for it, caused him to anticipate something to come. What was that? As we think about my faith, as the writer says to us here at verse 26, that he was looking to the reward. Well, what is this reward to which Moses looked? I want us to think just here in this particular chapter and give some answers to this. We could certainly find answers throughout the Scriptures uh, that may not be specifically mentioned here in this text. But I want you to be impressed with the fact, first of all, that in verse 13, that the reward to which Moses was looking here by faith, to which what he was looking, it was connected to the promises that Moses and others received from God. Go back to verse 13. Kind of here in the midst of this uh, great picture of all of these faithful of old, the writer tells us this important detail about all these that died in faith. He says in verse 13 that all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. That it wasn't just Moses that God made some promises to. Of course, we being good Bible students know that God made promises to those who came before Moses. That God made promises to Abraham and to his son Isaac and to his son Jacob and to his son Joseph. And it was connected to this reward to which Moses was looking. It was connected to all of those promises that God had made to his people of old. I would suggest to you also as we look here into Hebrews chapter 11 that the reward to which Moses looked was, as the writer describes it in talking to us about the faith of Abraham and telling us there in verse 10 that Abraham was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. The reward to which Moses was looking throughout his life was that city which has foundations. It was the better country, as the writer describes it here in verse 16, a heavenly country. It is an eternal city which God has prepared for those who are able to see His promises. And those like Moses who are looking to the reward. As the writer tells us there at verse 16, But as it is, they, all of these people who died in faith and lived by faith, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. It is looking forward to that reward of spending eternity with God. Of being one, truly one with God. And entering and living in His presence eternally. And so as we continue thinking about that phrase that Moses by faith was looking to the reward, I want us to think about six words of faith that are mentioned here in the text that our brother Todd read for us a few moments ago. The first word of faith I would suggest to you, or phrase of faith, if you will, is found there at verse 24, where the writer tells us that by faith, Moses, when he had grown up. I want you to go back to the, the Exodus account and for here, uh, here for just a moment, to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. And we have recorded for us here the birth of, of Moses, and I'm sure even the young ones here in the audience this morning, remember all of those events, remember the situation, the circumstances into which Moses was born, that Pharaoh decided that he was going to uh, kill, slaughter all of the babies, and the midwives had faith in God, and so they refused to do that particular thing. Uh, Moses' parents looked out for him, of course, and put him in a basket, and then Pharaoh's daughter found him, and she decided that she would care for him For a time, notice what it said to us here in chapter two of Exodus and verse eleven. The writer says, "Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up, that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard labors, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren." Uh, Yes, this phrase, as we're reading it and thinking about it this morning, back in Hebrews chapter eleven, that phrase being "grown up." Certainly, I I think it has some reference to Moses' physical stature, to Moses' physical size, that he grew up physically. He was no longer a child physically, but now he was a man. I have to to think, since that phrase is used specifically here in Hebrews 11, that is in a chapter that's talking about not so much people's physical characteristics, but their spiritual attributes that maybe the writer is emphasizing here that Moses had grown spiritually at this point in his life. I say that because if you look at the Apostle Paul, as, as, um, or rather Stephen, as he was uh, giving kind of a history lesson to the Jewish leaders back in Acts chapter 7 and verse 23, that he talks here about Moses, and he says to us there at Acts 7 and verse 23, when he, uh, Moses, was approaching the age of 40, It entered his mind to visit his brethren, the sons of Israel." So here Stephen places this event in Moses' life about the age of 40. He's already physically grown, but now I think he is spiritually mature. And there's a a good application, I believe, for all of us who are children of God. And that is this, that sometimes when we begin our journey with God, with Jesus Christ, we know intellectually that there is a reward that is coming for us. We know that if we serve God faithfully and by God's grace and mercy and patience and love, that we will enjoy an eternity with Him. But maybe it doesn't seem too real to us. It's just kind of somewhere out there in the distant future. And so we have to go through the process that all of us who are Christians have to go to. We have to grow up in Christ. We have to mature in Christ, and when we reach spiritual maturity in Christ, not when we get to the point where we're perfect and we know everything there is to know about God, but when we reach that point of spiritual maturity in Christ, I believe we will be people like Moses who will really be anticipating and really be looking to the reward that God has promised to us his children. That takes faith. That takes confidence in God. That takes looking at the evidence of who God is and what God has done not only in the lives of these people that are mentioned here in Hebrews 11, but what God has done in our own lives that we have enough proof to know that God is going to keep His end of the bargain, as it were. The second word of faith that I want us to focus on this morning from this text is also found in verse 24. As the writer goes on to say that by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. When Moses was at the point in his life when he was spiritually mature, I think the writer is telling us here that he began to think differently. He began to look outside of his comfortable surroundings, there in the palace of the Pharaoh, and to consider the plight of his Hebrew brethren, that they are enslaved. Uh, Back there in Acts chapter 7, again, as Stephen is talking about Moses there, he says to us in verse 23 of that chapter that it entered Moses' mind to visit his brethren. It seems like to me that it was at this point that Moses refused to grow up as part of Pharaoh's family. He refused to be a part of the ruling class that was now very actively oppressing God's people. He refused to be a part of that culture that was oppressing the people of god and he refused to accept or to enjoy the life that he could have had growing up in the most powerful man's home the most powerful person in the world at that time and so i believe there is a good lesson for us that refusing to be a part Of our culture sadly a culture at least in this country that is more and more oppressing our own people God's people that occurs when we have faith in God certainly it took a lot of faith on Moses's part to look past all of what he could have had in the here and now and to see that which was coming later that which God had promised to him and to say no I don't want this here I want something that's better I want something that's lasting I want God for eternity. And it's going to take faith on our part to refuse to be a part of our culture. But if we will do that, we will be people like Moses who are looking to the reward. The third word of faith that I want us to emphasize and to think about for just a moment is found here at verse 25, that yes, he refused, but he also chose, the writer says. He was choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. From a worldly perspective, if someone was living during the time of Moses or even someone maybe reading this account that doesn't have a spiritual focus in their life, they might say, well, who in their right mind would choose bad over good? I mean, Moses had it made. Moses had... Uh, the American dream, we might say today. He could have had anything and everything that he wanted. And why in the world would he choose a life of suffering and pain and heartache and ill treatment when he could have been living in the king's palace? Why would he choose pain over pleasure? And yes, that's exactly what Moses chose. Again, from a worldly perspective, it would appear that being in Pharaoh's house Would provide a lot of advantages especially during this time that the average Egyptian the average person in the world would not have it would provide him permanent pleasure any pleasure I'm sure that he wanted would be there at his disposal it would provide him permanent power permanent protection from the world around him it would provide him permanent education and wealth and women and wisdom And that would be exactly correct, again, from a worldly perspective. But go back again to what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 at verse 22, that Moses was educated in all the learning of the Egyptians, and he was a man of power in words and deeds. He had it made. He had the good life, we might say today. But Moses, again, back to our first point here, the first phrase of faith, Moses had grown up at this particular point. And now he was seeing these pleasures and all the things that could be given to him for what they really were, as those things that could take him away from God. As even, I'm sure, some of these pleasures and letting power and pride go to his head, things that would be sinful, things that would be temporary, things that would be passing away. Well, John writes to us about that particular temptation that all of us have and the source of all of our temptations. In 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15, 1 John chapter 2, at verse 15, beginning, John says here to the Christians of his time, And to us, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. We, we all, brothers and sisters and friends, we are all there where Moses was. It may not be the case, and I don't think it is the case. At least as as much as I know about you to this point, I don't think there's anyone here in this congregation that would say, "Hey, I grew up in the same situation in which Moses found himself." that we're living a, a, a plush life, that we have every luxury at our disposal, that we can do whatever we want to, that we've been given the finest education that there is to give. And so maybe from that standpoint, we're not in the exact position that Moses was. But all of us live in a world where we are tempted. And especially in our country, as much debt as we have, we are still a very, very prosperous country. And we can have anything almost we want. We can go into debt for it if we want to. Just the click of a button. And there remains for us, as there was for Moses, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. And so each of us has to make a choice. Moses, of course, made the right choice. It didn't look like that, I'm sure, from the people that were living around him that weren't God's people. From all the Egyptians that he grew up with, they're thinking, again, this man is crazy. Why would he give all this up? But choosing to suffer with God's people rather than to partake of the world's sinful pleasures, it is much easier And it will only occur, I would suggest to you, when we have faith. And it will be much easier for us to make that choice when we, like Moses, are not looking at our circumstances right here and now, today, or where we want to be in a year or five years or ten years from now, but when we are looking past that and looking to the eternal reward. The fourth word of faith is found in verse 26 back in our text where the writer goes on to say not only was Moses choosing here, but he was considering the reproach of Christ to be greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. Moses here, in thinking about this word, considering it's telling me, anyway, that Moses was a man who gave some thought to his choice. He thought about his choices. I'm sure he sat down and thought about the consequences the choice would bring. If he chose to grow up in Pharaoh's daughter's home, that that would result in some consequences, negative and positive. But if he decided that he was going to be counted as among God's chosen people, the Israelites, that would also bring some consequences, both negative and positive. Here it seems to me that maybe the writer is telling us about Moses at this point. Here is a man of faith who is weighing the reproach, the shame, the disgrace, if you will, of Jesus Christ against the treasures of Egypt. I don't know, have you ever thought about that? That it tells us here that Moses was considering the reproach of Christ. (laughs) What, What did Moses know about the reproach of Christ? I mean, he lived some 1,500 years before Jesus ever came to this earth, and yet the writer says to us that he was considering the reproaches of Christ to be of greater riches than all the treasures he could enjoy in Egypt. Here is a man in Moses who patiently lived with his choice, even when it may have seemed from an earthly perspective like the wrong choice. We were talking a little bit in in Cody's class in the back classroom this morning, kind of beginning to wrap up our study on humility and thinking about shining the spotlight on others. And we looked at several uh, humble people throughout Scripture, and one of those was Moses that we're talking about this morning. And to think about all the times when Moses got frustrated and Moses got upset and Moses got angry with God's people and he was ready to just desert them. He was ready to, you know, do away with them and let somebody else take the job. But even in those times, he lived with his choice to be counted among God's people, knowing that it would not be the easy way as far as this world is concerned. And he made, of course, the right choice because he was considering the choice he should make. Brothers and sisters, the truth of the word of God is this: that we will consider, or we will uh, consider, shame and disgrace for Christ worth more than fading riches when we are looking to the reward. If we are trying to live as godly people, as Paul told the young preacher Timothy so long ago, we will suffer. We will experience persecution and suffering of some kind for just being a follower of Jesus Christ. But we will not think about all that if we are people like Moses who is looking to the reward. The fifth phrase of faith that we find here in this text is found in verse 27. That is, the writer goes on to say about Moses that by faith he left Egypt not fearing the wrath of the king. Here was a man, he may have been afraid, he may have had some fear, just being a person, but he did not let that fear grip him. He did not let that fear guide him. He did not let that fear, in essence, make his life choice for him. Because Moses, as it goes on to say there at verse 27, he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Moses feared God much more than he feared any man, even Pharaoh himself. Why else would Moses have left behind all the comforts and pleasures of Egypt that could have been his to live in the land of Midian, a land which he had never been to, to go live in a wilderness? And I think we see his fear of God on display even as the writer is telling us about his great faith. If we go on to read here the next two verses, verse 28, the writer says, By faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. We, I think we see, at least I see, the fear that Moses has, his fear of God, his reverence and respect for God, how he holds God in high regard, how he holds God as an awesome and holy God, because the writer goes on to tell us in the two verses we just read, he kept the Passover, he led Israel across the Red Sea because God said so. He was going to trust God, and he was going to fear God rather than trusting men or fearing men. Though Moses lived long before King David did, I believe we find in Moses a man who truly believed and was living the words that David writes in Psalm 56 and verse 11 when he says there, In God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? We, too, can look at the example of Moses, and we ought to be people, if we're trying to be people of faith, a faith that is pleasing to God, a faith that is going to result in our eternal salvation, we have to be people who are not fearing man. We have to be people who rather are fearing fearing God and fearing the wrath of God rather than fearing the wrath of man because we are people who are looking to... The reward, And then the sixth and final word of faith that we want to pull out of this text and think about this morning is that word that is found there at the end, the middle part of the end of verse 27, that he endured. Not only did Moses see the reward, as the writer has told us here, that he was looking to the reward. More than that, Moses saw the Redeemer. And he saw the rewarder. And this is exactly what true saving faith does. If you go back earlier in this chapter again as the writer is giving us example after example of people that lived by faith and died in faith he stops here at verse 6 and he just makes a comment to us again about what faith is. He says without faith it is impossible to please him or to please God for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is exactly what Abel did and Abraham did and Sarah did and Noah, and Moses. This is exactly what all the faithful of old did, whether they are mentioned here in Hebrews 11 or not. This is the kind of faith that they had that was true, genuine confidence in God, that they believe that God is, but also that God is a rewarder of those who devote their life to seeking Him. We, we again need the perspective of the psalmist David had on life as it comes to this matter of endurance. And I want to close by reading from this psalm this morning back to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, beginning there at verse 1 and reading down through verse 11. David writes here and he says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not be envious toward wrongdoers. For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evildoing, for evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. David, of course, was a man that experienced lots of suffering in his life, sometimes even at the hands of his own family and his own friends that he thought were very loyal and true to him. But David says here, when you look at the world and you look at the circumstances that you're in in your life, whatever that is for you right now, from a worldly perspective, it may seem like evil is winning. It may seem like the evildoer is going to continue on and on and nothing bad is ever going to happen to him, that there will not be any consequences to the choice that he has made as to how he's going to live his life. But David said, here is the reality of the situation. Know this, that there will be consequences for him, that one day God will call him to judgment, call him to account for the choices he has made, and God in his time and in his way will take care of that. But also know that if you have the long view, if you're looking to the reward that God has promised, that one day God will reward you that God will be, make true on the promise that he has made. But we've got to be people who are enduring. We've got to be people who are resting in God. We've got to be people who are waiting patiently and not fretting over what it seems like right now. Brothers and sisters and friends, we can endure whatever the devil throws our way if we will be people of faith like Moses. If we will be people of faith who are looking to the eternal reward. Living and dying, uh, living by faith and dying in faith means living and dying with spiritual sight. We can't go around with our head stuck in the sand. We can't go around as blind people, as it were. We've got to be people who have spiritual sight. So as we close our lesson this morning, let me just ask you, nobody else can answer this question for you. They might can help you in answering this question, but nobody can really fully answer this question for you. And the question is this, how is your spiritual sight? How is your spiritual sight? Are you, like Moses, looking to the reward, the eternal reward that God has promised to all those who are his faithful children? Have you even started down that path this morning? If you haven't, then this is a good starting point for you. I'm glad that you're here this morning. If you need to come and confess your faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, based upon not just some whim that you have, not just based on a flimsy amount of evidence, but we have rock-solid evidence in this word, in this book, that Jesus truly is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Would you confess that this morning? Would you come in faith and repent of your sins and turn away from doing life your way and Now devote yourself to being a child, a follower of Jesus Christ. Would you come this morning and be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism and start on that new journey that you too can live a life of faith. Moses proves to us that we can do it with God's help. Would you start that journey of faith this morning? If you have started that journey, but maybe your eyes have begun to wonder uh, to things that around you to things maybe good or bad that this world is throwing at you and your focus and your sight is not truly on God and it's not truly on the reward that he has promised to give us would you get back to doing that would you focus your eyes again on Jesus the Christ and would you follow him all the way to the end it may be that as a child of God you have sinned that Satan has been successful in dangling that carrot in front of you long enough that you have gone after it and you have wandered away from God, would you come back to Him? He wants you to come home. If you're just struggling as you live through this life and you need the prayers and encouragements of your brethren, however we can help you this morning as we're about to sing this song that there's a fountain free, Once you let your desires be known? Come to the front as we stand and as we sing.